Lombardi Party, where every week we are featuring amazing guests from around the San Antonio area, primarily in real estate. Uh, we have an amazing friend of ours, Miss Jojo King. Welcome. Hi there, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited that you invited me. We are going to get into some stuff, right? And okay. I'm going to replace the word stuff with some shit because Jojo talks like me right this is the this is the unfiltered version and i did so we're gonna we're gonna get into some shit in a little bit so i i normally talk like that i normally get on the podcast but this today we're not gonna get <laughs> it's a special podcast it is a special podcast okay. so before we get into the, the the dirt before we get into the deep of it okay. um we need to know who you are tell us about your background where are you from where'd okay. you grow up well i'm joanne jojo jo king joanne. um i'm from san antonio born and raised uh, i grew up in the west side south side Went to St. John Bosco from pre-K all the way to eighth grade. From there, I went to Incarnate Word High School. Um, and from there, I went to St. Mary's. So I never left San Antonio. Ever. I wanted to, but my mom and dad didn't let me. I was a 17-year-old that graduated high school. So I would have been a 17-year-old in college. Got it. And I needed their permission as a minor, but my mom and dad wouldn't let me. They knew better. They were um, smart. They were very smart. So I got stuck in San Antonio. And then I spent probably the majority of my life doing radio and television. Uh, mostly sales, did some on-air stuff, and then from there just somehow transitioned into home sales. That's crazy. And I landed in home sales in 2016, and it's just been it's been a really good ride. As absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> good for you. That's amazing. And so have you, like, you've traveled outside of San Antonio, right? I've traveled, yeah. I've never gone to Europe. Okay. I've never gone overseas. I'm scared of flying. I'm Got working it. on that. Working on so, that. So, yeah, little bit by little bit, I'm working on that. So I do fly, but I just pure denial from the moment I'm on the plane. Got it. That, like, you're just like, uh, no, seriously. I just I just zone out. Like I'm not on a plane. Yep. Period. Until I land, and then I'm like, oh, I made it. That's <laughs> amazing. I'll have to travel with you just to see what it's, it's like. The worst. That's the worst. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I'm like super scared. We all, hey, we all got. That's crazy like my. Stuff that's like, that. like my Achilles. It's like the flying. Is the just, flying. I have no control. Like you're just up there, and I just can't wrap my mind around how these big things. <laughs> Are just up there, and I look at the the engine like, bro, like that's it. <laughs> and it just spins. There has it just spins. That's all. There has to be more, <laughs> more to it than this. It literally just spins. Yeah, like it just freaks me out, like totally and completely. And then the turbulence, forget about it. Forget it's about like, it. It's like the worst. Do you drink a little bit before you go? I have to drink a little bit. Yes, I have to. And I know it's an excuse, but I really have to drink a little bit. That's crazy. And so when you are, when you're traveling, right? Um, you know, is it like one of those things where what happens? Like, if, do you not take early morning flights because the bar's not open? Like, will you like s schedule your flights for I later? I think the bars have always been open. Oh, like, right? <laughs> I've never not drank, and then I drink on the plane, maybe. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. Or I take a book. I try to put my ear pods yeah. on and just zone out, and I'll read something. Yep. But the turbulence will get me. The turbulence. So will get I've you. held many a stranger's hands. <laughs> That's awesome. My That's awesome. I made some friends who are still my friends today from flying and being scared. It's like That's the one thing that really gets me. That's crazy. Like if you want to see me at my worst, not composed and not being like a real estate bully, then you can go on a flight with me and you'll be like, "Who is this woman?" That's, That's crazy. Like That's like like legit. Like you're like you said, you're like your weakness. I'm just in my weakness. I just I feel like I'm out of control. I can't do anything. I've even played it all out in my mind. Like okay, if it goes down, what would be my last moments? <laughs> Jojo, this is this awesome. This is terrible. This, yes, this I played it out in my mind. Good for well, <laughs> not good for you, but this is this is crazy. Okay, so no. you never left the San Antonio area. Um, no. You never worked anywhere else, like even no. out of here. Like the only time that I left San Antonio. Well, first of all, my mom and dad really did deny me going to college out yes. of state. 
they were fearful of me going. And I got accepted into great schools like Pepperdine, Syracuse, wow. Notre Dame. I got stuck in San Antonio at St. Mary's University. <laughs> so I tried to run away. Legit well, run away. Legit. I wanted to go to school to Syracuse so bad. I faked everything, signatures. I got myself enrolled. I was going to go to Syracuse, but I figured if I leave, I mean, this is back like in 1992, right? right? There was no trackers on our cars. Right. No I one had no find cell you. phone. My mom couldn't find me on my pager, you know? So, like, how would they legit find you? No social media. There was nothing to post. So, not even thinking that back then, I thought I can really get away with this. And then once I get in school and I'm doing well, I'll be like, hey, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm in college, I'm winning. So I made it as far as Texarkana, and then I got pulled over, me and my best friend, and long story short, cops called my dad, my dad and her dad came, they got us, and my dad was like mad, but so impressed at the same time, because that's when my dad was like mad, but you know, <laughs> you really were going for it, so you know, I can't be that mad. So. He made a deal with me. He was like, just give me a semester. Let me see how well you do, how well you behave in college, and I'll let you transfer. Yes. You know? As long as that's going to cost me a lot of money. And I was always did well in school, so I had scholarships and stuff. And yeah. So that was the trick. Just didn't work out. I got to St. Mary's, and, and I played soccer, so I joined the soccer team. I walked on. It was fun. And then I started getting rushed by sororities, and I met – my sisters, and they're still like my best friends and my sorority sisters today. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, some it, of the people. He got you. It did. The first person that I met at St. Mary's University. Yes. Walking in the quad with her dad was Denise Flores. Her brother is Ken Flores, who yes. works at Highland Homes. That's right. So that's the craziest thing. Well, one of the top five people that I met was Terry Hutado. Yes. Terry works at Highland. Yes. So she's my sorority sister, too. So it was just crazy how it just. So I ended up rushing. I ended up being a, a tri-sigma. Tri-sigma. I was a sigma, 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 and that was it. Got stuck in San Antonio. Wow. After that. So I, my dreams of going to Bosquata State just never happened. Just never the running away thing is gangster. Did you get pulled over for something dumb? Were you, like, speeding or, like, not using a turn I don't signal? even – I can't even remember why. I don't know. Like, I, we're, I don't know. We're probably driving crazy or speeding. And, but we got pulled over. And I remember, you know, trying to show my ID. And I was a minor. Yes. So he was like, where are you? Because you're from like San Antonio. Your ID says San Antonio. Like, where are you going? Right. And I think our stories just didn't match up. You're like, I'm going to, like. Nowadays, you could probably be an adult child and be like, hey, I'm, going to, I'm driving myself to college. Right. Cops today would probably be okay with that. But back in the 90s, I just don't think that that was just. No, it wasn't really a thing. I don't think said. it was a thing. And so I got that's, busted and I got sent back crazy. home. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, so that's how I stayed here. I tried. I tried very hard to get away. You tried. Okay, so. <laughs> that so. was the first time. And then in college, my sophomore year, the spring of sophomore year, I think my mom and dad felt bad that I got stuck here. And so. Um, they let me go to Puebla, Mexico to do a semester in Mexico. Yes. Great time, but big mistake. Yeah. It was just a game changer for me going and studying abroad, like in Mexico. There's no rules in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. So I did a whole semester there at La Universidad de la Ibero in Puebla, Mexico. Yes. So we did that. And then um, still my, my roommate, they house you in people's yes. houses. Like strangers' homes, right? So, like, so think about that. I was born and raised in San Antonio, total Latin household. Never left my house. My mom and dad didn't even let me dorm on campus. Like, that's how crazy my parents were. Yes. And I remember going and landing, and I was with all these strangers, and I was like, "Why did I do this?" I swear, I didn't know one person that was on the trip. 
Mario, I'm lying. Mario was a Kai-Fi. He was, but he was cool. So I did know somebody, but not very well. Right. I just wanted to do it. Yeah. And I felt my parents owed me. So I was like, I'm going to Mexico. And so I remember getting there and the first night I got, I mean, homesick is really a thing. Yes. If you have not gone through it or your daughter faked you that you think, oh, she's homesick. She's lying. No, it's really a thing. I was sick. I had a fever. I was throwing up. I was freaking fuck out <laughs> that I went from me and my mom and my dad three people yes. I'm an only child the only child to all of a sudden I had a roommate Aubrey and then the house mother the house husband the house brother two sisters two maids a dog a tank full of fish and I think like three or four parakeets I don't even know it was like a total what the fuck is this happening? where are you where am I and then they gave us they gave us his room that looked like I can't even describe the room, what it looked like. It's just, you wouldn't believe me. And so then I was just like, oh my God, I'm never coming home. I got so scared. <laughs> so the lady was a nurse. So she goes, you need to calm down. I'm going to give you something for your nerves. Sort of got true story. And I was like, okay. So I thought she was going to give me something. No, she comes in with a syringe and gives me a shot. I pass out. Of what? I don't know. To this day, I don't know what I was but I don't, but I fell asleep. And then I remember I woke up the next day and my roommate, Aubrey, which we keep in touch now, she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I passed out. She was like, you were like just so discombobulated. I was so sad. And I remember I called my mom and I was like, I want to go home. And she was like, and my dad gets, nope, this cost us, I don't know how many thousand dollars. Your ass is staying there, make the most of it. And I was like, dad, but he did. So the next day we, we go to the university. We I see my surroundings. I start making friends. There's a soccer team there. Yes. The first First time in 1993 that the University of La Ibero in Mexico was going to actually have club sports for females. Got it. So I was literally there for that. The f yes. The, the very first inaugural of women having club sports in Mexico. <laughs> so the crazy thing is the girls that I went with were all sporties like me. They were all into softball, volleyball. Yes. So it couldn't have been a better mix of girls. So I, I somehow convinced the girls, like, let's join the soccer team. And I got two of them, like, let's do it. We, I'm not joking. We played soccer. I played volleyball. I played softball. We won the championship. That's for so first cool. Like, yeah, I swear to God. We have pictures of the trophies and everything. And the first time we were there. Because they had never done it. So we were, like, all sports. We were, like, super cool because we were so good at sports. <laughs> the girls would come out to practice with, like, kids and yes. like, sandals. They had no clue. It was fun. But long story short, I stayed there, I made it work, and I got over it. And that was my experience of being away from home in a whole other country with wow. a completely different caste system. It was just crazy, you know? It was just crazy. I learned they, a lot being in Mexico. They got, like, and that's crazy because the way that they did it by letting, like, by being that extreme, like, I feel like if you would have gone to just any American college, you would have been okay, right? Yes. They like got you in a way where it was like so extreme that you're like, nah, I'm good. Uh, I'm good, yeah, it was just so extreme, but like I think it was just eye-opening, even at a young age, and the girls that we went to that program with, we still are friends today and yes. we talk about it. Like we, I had never dealt with a caste system. In Mexico, you're rich or you're poor. Right. I'm sorry, there's no middle class. Right. And so, the housemaids were like, couldn't eat with us. They couldn't do this and that with us, you know, and they would wash our clothes and they would take care of us. And so me and Audrey were tipping them. We're giving them money. We got in trouble with the house mother because we were going to spoil them. I'll never forget that. And they had never had a meal cooked for them. So we got in trouble again. But, because you know, you I'm the girl that likes to be in trouble. You know, I always pushing the rules. <laughs> Let me break them. So I remember, like, they told us, like, you are not to, like, do A, B, and C. And I was like, what? 
that. Like, so I remember talking to Marta and Elvita, and I was like, they had never had somebody make them hamburgers from scratch and fresh French fries. They did not know what that was. <laughs> so I remember we went to the grocery store. We bought everything. I got potatoes. We cut them, and we made them an American hamburger and French fries. And my mom would ship me stuff. So you're going to laugh. My mom would ship me big red fries. <laughs> Because I love Big Red so much. I'm such a Latina. And so I remember getting Big Red shipped to me from San Antonio to, to Puebla. And I gave them. I wanted them to have that, like a burger and a fries and a Big Red. They were so happy and so it was like the best meal they'd ever had in their life oh did i get in trouble that's it i got in major trouble for that that's in the house crazy mother, yeah. yeah because they, they didn't let us go out that weekend we got grounded as exchange students in the house we're like oh. how the fuck are you that's insane that's how bad you were <laughs> that's how, Is, that's how you were. that's how bad i was that i made food for the housemates and gave them a big red shame <laughs> shame <laughs> couldn't go out that weekend we were so mad yeah so i learned i just learned that like i was exposed to that it just made me see things so differently at a young age than the women like girls were barely starting to be super yes. independent in mexico like the fact that it was 1993 and they had never had club or organized you know university sports for females like that was just blew my mind it's crazy yeah so that was interesting to go through that and then um while I was there in Puebla, there were, you know, there's always some type of political yeah. fighting going Unrest, on. Unrest, yes. Unrest. So being in school, waking up and seeing tanks <laughs> just cross your, you're like, what? Like, this really happens in other people's countries. Like, yes. you're walking to school and there's tanks. Just going on, down the just sidewalk. Just going off the sidewalk. You're like, what is going on? Then right there by Puebla, there's a mountain. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the mountain is, but we went through, they thought it was going to erupt. So I went through that. The window started shaking at the <laughs> university and it's major sirens. We had to evacuate and leave. Went through that. We went through several earthquakes. That is real. I, if you've never experienced an earthquake, no. we went through that. We got woken up and it's like you get hot and you just like your whole equilibrium is off. Like what is happening? Like think of your worst drunk moment ever. And that's happening. And that's happening. And you're just hot. You're on a roller coaster. You're like, what is this? And we didn't know what was going on at first. But then like my bed was closest to the closet. And right. Aubrey was like, look at the clothes. And you could just see the clothes going back and forth. And the house mother was like, yeah, we went through an earthquake. We're like, what? So what yeah, so it was fun being exchanged student in Mexico. That's for so sure. cool. That's yeah. that's really amazing. So. When you when you get out of when you get out of college, you graduate St. Mary's, mm -hmm. so you're here in San Antonio. What's the first job that you start doing after college? So, I got in. So I wanted to be a writer, okay. and I wanted to be a sports newscaster. Okay, that was literally like my dream job. I yes. love sports. I've always loved sports, and I thought it'd be so cool to be that person on TV and interviewing sports guys. Like legit, like Aaron Andrews yes, type thing. Yes, I just, I just thought that was just so cool. My dad was the biggest sports fanatic, so, and I love to write. I've always loved to write. So I got my degree in English, and then um, while I was there, I started doing internships. So I remember doing an internship at Case at 12, and yep. I met Cordell Patrick, um, and he's grown. He went, I think the last time he was in Atlanta, but he was doing sports. So I was able to be an intern under him, and I got exposed to stuff, right? Like yes. just he would let me go into the Spurs locker room with oh, him. Uh, they're naked. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember I was like trying to be professional, like holding his mic, you know? And so, but that's legit. Like back in the day they did that. Now yep. I don't think they do that nowadays. Right. Someone's gonna get a, a you know, a lawsuit, but back in the day you did that. So I did the internship with them and I remember that was um, going into my senior year 
and I remember that uh, I wanted to make money. Right. So I, I, I was either, and I always did promotions. I always had, I was a promoter yes. since I was like in high school. I would throw keggers at my mom's <laughs> and charge $5 at the door for a red solo cup. It was all you can drink keggers. And if you lost your solo cup, you'd have to buy another one for me for five bucks. So I was making money, and in high, well, that's what I did. I did. You could tell, I'm off. I still have little flyers that I made on the copier. I saved them, and then in college I did the same thing. I would throw. Once I got into the sorority, I realized, oh, you can throw parties and make money. So I used to rent out like these hole in the wall bars. The Rattlers Den was my favorite, and I would just get a. I would get a percentage of the bar. Be like, I'm gonna throw a party. I'm gonna have X amount of people. They didn't care. These were mom and pop bars right. back in the day, and we used to sell them out. I mean, we used to. S they used to we used to close them down, so they would write me a check for like two grand, three grand. So I was always making money. So, but when I wanted to, when I got to that point where I wanted to do the TV stuff, I was like, well, how do I do this? And I would still do some promotions, but I wanted to make money. So right. the salesperson, can't remember her name anymore, but I can see her. She was like, well, you could take this list of people that um, owe us money, offer them a two for one that if they pay their bill on the three grand, two grand that they owe for TV commercials that will give them a, a schedule for free. Well, I didn't know any better, right? So I was always a street hustler, right? I was always yeah. a hustler. So I thought it was just so easy in my mind. I'd call somebody, hey, Mr. So-and-so, I'm JoJo, blah, blah, blah. And then I would get the talk, oh, you sound young. Yeah, I'm in college and this is what I'm doing. Give them a whole spiel. And I'd be like, but hey, guess what? We're gonna do this, give you a two for one. It would just work. And so I swear to God, Chris, I did not know what I was doing. I didn't know how much money I was going to make. I don't even think I asked what the commission structure was. I was just told that if I did that, that she'd pay me. <laughs> so I did that, and I get my first check, and I'm like, what? Like, how this much is was great. I think my first check might have been like four grand. Oh, so it was a lot. It was a lot for someone that was in college back in the day. Like that was a lot of. Living. Because to them, that was like something that was hard. Like you were going to have to collect from people that weren't paying. Yes. And so they then they told me you go and collect the check so they can mail it in. So I thought that was easy too. Right? I, was in, I would get in my car and go meet people and they'd give me the money and they'd give me their commercials or I like to write. So I would write their commercials for them. It was just so easy. I didn't understand how, how other people thought it was hard. But to me, it was easy. So I remember when I saw my first legit check, like, oh, wow, I can make like this much money, like, not throwing parties. That's and cool. I can actually do this. So that's how I got involved in TV. And then I got pregnant. Oh. I got pregnant my, sum my summer year, going into my senior year with my oldest, Robert the Runner. Yes. So that I for sure had to change things. Got it. And so I just stuck with it, with the TV stuff, with, I just did that. And I collected enough money. I mean, I was, I was doing sales. And I think that's how I got into sales. And after that, my first official job that I got an offer and a salary was to do marketing and sales for uh, Unilever. Yes. And so these are the people that own like Hellman's Mayonnaise, yes. Nor, Niagara. Everything. Uh, Mazzola Corn Oil. And again, I just thought it was easy. Like I was young, I was right. 21 years old. And uh, poor guys, I'm so sorry, whoever, if you still know me from there. Like they gave me a business credit card, a business vehicle. They gave me books of business and it was the same thing. Like, what was my job? You had to have Hellman's mayonnaise in all these grocery stores. Okay. So like I would drive to like Albertson's, Katie, Tom Thumbs, Randall's, all these like big grocery stores. And I would have to just talk to the guys and make them put our products in the store. It's not easy for you. Yeah. It was just so easy. Like I'd walk in all cute. Hey, Mr. So-and-so. And, and it wasn't a lot of women right. in the business either. It was mostly men. So right. when they saw a female, they were like really intrigued. Like, 
what are you doing here? You took oh so so and so's account. I did. And I did that for about two, three years. Yeah. And then I realized that I I didn't want to do that. I got felt it. like I had to go back to TV and radio because that was my job. And I did. I got hired as a promotions director for La Ley 94.1. Yeah, it was 94.1 La Ley before it's KTFM now. But I was with La Ley and that just I just stuck with it. I went back so to cool. it and went from promotions director to marketing manager to sales. And then um, I transitioned to TV sales for a while at CW. And um, that was crazy because that's when I was working at CW and at Fox and WB in San yes. Antonio. That's when 9-11 happened. So I remember that morning getting to the station and we were getting live feeds from the direct cameras, from the cameras, from people like in the yes. news out in New York. So we got to see it from a completely different vantage point. That was just very impactful. It also, like those, those are like certain things happen in your career, right? That really like define define <laughs> you. And I that was one of them for sure. Um, we for some reason at that time had like four or five people that worked for us that were from New York. Yeah. So like witnessing them and seeing them call their family and their brothers and trying to figure out where their family was that might have been at tower two was just like you're all the way in san antonio and right. this and was happening like, like live like live and we got to see it like i said there was a delay so people don't know that but tv's not really live right live, right? right like we're doing now so even radio is not live live sometimes so you're watching a delayed feed so we were watching things like as they were unfolding and just from a street or a different just a vantage point it was just crazy that's terrible yeah and so from there i was like i don't want to do tv so <laughs> then i went back to radio yes. and i just did radio until 2016. that's crazy that's just what i did for a long time and it was fun and i i had a lot of fun i mean getting together tonight with some of my radio friends yes. like we're it's a family for sure that you just never dissolve um some of my best friends you know That's come from cool. radio yeah I, I got to do a lot in that business and how did you get out of that so you finally get out of that after like it sounds like 15 years it was almost maybe. 20 if you count like what i did in college for internships and things like that and then i um and anybody that did radio and TV back like in the 90s, it was just so much fun. Right. First, there's one a lot of FCC rules. Right. I'm also, then the FCC got involved and got things it. got really, yeah, kind you of know, strict. got strict. But, you know, we lived in a time and partied in a time and did events at a time where there was no social media. Right. Like you took Polaroids. That was your immediate gratification for the night. You yes. took a Polaroid and you took it home. Um, you know, if you met somebody, you wrote their number somewhere and you'd hope your hands didn't get sweaty and. I think that three's an eight, and you'd call somebody the next day, right? So when social media came into right. radio, and um, it was another avenue of free advertisement, the traditional advertising streams like TV, radio, newspaper, billboard, they started to not be as popular because there was free social media. Right. Even with MySpace came in and people, all the clubs and all the promoters had their own MySpace page. And right. You would get on those pages, see what's going on. So that just changed everything. Changed the game. And, you know, I used to get big buckets of money from Miller Lite, from Diageo, from Cricket. I, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars and be like, here, you know, on your eight stations, do X amount of events for this year, put it together, and I would do remotes. But as social media got more popular with the Instagrams, the Facebooks, all the free stuff, yes, my pockets of money started to dwindle because big businesses like Miller, Cricket, whatever, realized that they had to do digital marketing. Right. And they had to be, that's where it was going. So they had to start investing money into that too. So the money I was making started to really shift, like got after it. 12, like after 20, uh, 
2012-2013 started to change um social media being live really exposed a lot of people like we we could no longer like drink at our events yes. we could no you know we could no longer do things there was no after parties at the radio station right. anymore because people were starting to film and video and post stuff that weren't supposed to so it just shifted and it just started to be more business than fun right unless i was making less money you can't do shout outs on the radio anymore without being monetized. Right. You couldn't do things on your social media page, like get free plugs to people because it wasn't monetized. So everything just got really stringent. That and I just, I just, I, from the nineties to there, I saw the whole transition and it just wasn't fun anymore. Wasn't fun anymore. That's crazy. No. And so I left, so I left, retired from radio yes. pretty much. And then one of my clients was Pioneer Flower and they were doing marketing, you know, for some businesses, it's big on the red plum coupons. Yes. So I got a job with Velasquez and I transitioned from radio to Velasquez, yes. which owns the red plum. Yep. So, and I got exposed to the coupon world. Holy moly. The whole coupon cartel that you didn't even know existed. It's crazy. <laughs> so I shifted to that doing digital marketing. I worked from home, Yes. which was just another shift from being super extroverted around right. people, 24 seven to all of a sudden I'm in my home office with like three screens digging up zip codes for people. So I know how to do their direct mail. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Jojo literally, I would look at the screen and be like, that's just all numbers. Like, no, like this can't be my life. Like seriously. And then I would get calls from the apartments. Like, you know, the, the red plums got, that got stolen again. What are you talking about? People would go in trucks and the apartments just so you know, we like, like, um, you know, trash email, like all the stuff, like the inserts, right? Yes. All the advertisements get dumped together and it. It, we leave them there. And then the guides are supposed to put them in the individual mailbox. Well, the little coupon people got hip to that. So they would go and know what time the coupons were being dropped off. And literally Chris would steal like boxes of our coupon books and they would sell them like on Craigslist. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like it was the craziest thing how, important coupons are for people and women so that i mean we've seen some of those those crazy clipper it's people. a legit thing so these people would go and steal and somebody would buy the coupon books and there was a whole thing we caught people on craigslist like they would go and steal these coupons and girls would be like i need 20 little booklets for like 20 bucks or whatever and so women would go and buy them so they can cut the coupons it was crazy you couldn't keep up with it like so that just was like i can't be the coupon cop like, what is this? And I'm, you know, I'm a coupon pimp and a coupon cop. I can't do it. So I, I hated it. And uh, my sorority sister, Terry, who was at Pulte at the yes. time, and she was like, you need to sell houses. She goes, I, you would love it. You're just a people person. Yes. You're funny. She goes, they'll like you. You like to sell stuff. What are you doing stuck in your house? Yeah. So I was like, all right. This so I started so applying to places and nobody would hire me because you had no experience. I had no experience. Yeah. You, I failed KB's personality test. That's why. <laughs> hey, KB, if you're listening, you missed out because I sell a lot of houses. Yes, you but, did. But uh, yeah, KB wouldn't hire me. I, I failed their personality <laughs> test. I think I answered the questions too honest. That question is like, if you find a bag of money in the middle of the street, do you A, leave it there, B, call the cops, three, do you take it? Uh, three, you take it. <laughs> they told me to answer honestly, so you I, did. I did. You take that money. I'm from the west side. You yeah, you, it's, it's, you it's a free bag. Not my fault. Somebody dropped it. That's but uh, crazy. So I didn't pass. I got an email that said, you know, thank you for applying, but you just didn't pass our personality test. 
<laughs> which is crazy. I have an email somewhere. And uh, then I got called by LGI. Yes, dun, LGI. Dun, dun, dun. LGI. This is where you put in like Halloween music yes. right at this thing. Did uh, you take that job? Yes, I did because I couldn't get hired by anybody else. Like I was getting frustrated and I was like, what? So I would even go on, I'm such, you know, I, well, you know me yes. now. So I'm such a competitor and I'm such a yes. weird like that. And uh, I remember going on the weekends and going to see houses and just going to the models because I said, okay, they won't hire me. Let me see who the frick they have at these models. Terrible. Yes. And I was just like, what? I don't hire me. I was so mad. I was very offended. So then when I got to LGI, I was like, I'm going to get this job. This is the last thing I do. I had no clue what I was getting myself into, guys. Yes. I had no, I was zero clean slate to the real estate home sales world. So I met the legendary John Garza. Yes. He was the first person to interview me. And he was at Torada, yep. the Tranco Ranch. Yep. And I remember I met Johnny Garza and he knew like some of my family background and he just knew some of the people that I knew, you know, from growing up. And then uh, we just hit it off and we just had the best interview conversation and they call me back again. And then um, I remember Roger Villa, um, he's still there. He's like the VP. Yes. Regional VP. And I forget the other guy's name. He always wears a blue suit. But anyways, he was there. And I remember they just cut the interview short and, you know, they were like, well, Johnny wants to hire you. And Johnny was just like, yep, I told him that. I just met you that I knew you were going to do well and I want to be your mentor. I want to have, I want to say that one day that I was Jojo King's, I was Jojo, oh, what was I at the time? I was Emerson at the time. <laughs> I was Emerson. Emerson. Yeah, because I, I just want to be your mentor and I want to teach you everything. So I was so blessed that Johnny took me on. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I got to learn the hard way in this business. Yes. You know, so, and, uh, we always talk crap about LGI, not meaning to, but I like Stockholm Syndrome. I was like, I owe them everything. And so, uh, but it, I did. I yes, learned so much because they train you so hard. And yep. I got to learn under John. So it's like he's been doing this for like, like, yes, like years, decades, right? So he just knows everything. And he just, I remember going to training and I remember that he's supposed to graduate you in 30 days. Right. I don't think Johnny graduated me until three months. I'm not joking. So Johnny didn't care. Like Johnny was like, no, you're going to get it right or you're just not, I'm going to sign you off. So the whole deal was is that he would do, he would pretend like he was a buyer. Right. And he says, I will not graduate you until we go through the whole A through Z and you convince me to buy a house. And I was just like, Ah, oh, John. But I mean, he went for it. I got to give it to you, John Garza. He would make the faint call. Hi, I'm John Garza, blah, blah, blah. He'd make come with a funny name. Want to make an appointment to come in. So uh, it everything's scripted, right? right? So you learn that way. So I had to go through the script, get him to commit, get him to come in. So I'd book the appointment, front door, showing him the house. It's all scripted, right? The A's and B's of buying a house, everything about LGI. Then I'll get him down to make an application, you know, doing the credit repair, doing yes. the credit reading, yep. all the way to showing him the houses giving them the pluses and the minuses, you know, getting to the, and I still use it today, POAC, P-O-A-C, you know, what's your present situation? What outcome are you seeking? Do you have the authority and do you have the capital? I still today use that because it's four questions, but right. you get the, you get everything you need out of those four questions. And I remember like going through all of that and finally, I think I was just like, ah, I was so over it. You know, I just did it. And he was like, I asked him for earnest money and he wrote me the check, the fake check. And that's how he graduated me. He goes, you finally have done everything correct. You're ready to hit the floor. And I mean, it was just, it was, I learning that way was hard, but I don't think that I would be as good as I am Absolutely. today Absolutely. without 
that. It was a good base for me. And then it was very competitive, which kind of fed into my nature. It was very quick and moving around. And um, they moved from Toronto to Talese yes. to their smaller product. And um, that's just how I got in was through LGI. That's crazy. Yep. And you went from there. Uh, who did you go to after that? I went to MI next. That's right. Correct. And then MI was another... Um, so I think that with the LGI, just it was just learning the hard Correct. way how to sell houses. Correct. And it was it's a different sales pitch than radio because in radio I was selling air. Right. Right. It was a marketing concept. I was making people give me money so I can drive people and business to their storefront or buy their product and help them be successful, make them money. Right. So in how selling a house is a little bit different. I'm asking people's investment in money to get them a home, Correct. right? And so it was just a different process. Then with MI, um, I got introduced to cross-selling because at LGI, yes. you don't cross-sell. You just, you're a little, you're a little casita and that's all you sell. Correct. And then I also, with LGI, they just don't have the biggest relationships with realtors. Correct. So I didn't learn that hustle or that angle or that line of Business, yeah. Business until I got to MI. So the MI was also great because I could cross-sell. Right. So I was like, what? <laughs> I can take them into another house somewhere else? Really? I don't have to give somebody like a lead and yes, $14,000? Yeah, and give it yeah, away. Yeah, giving away money. So that was, that like totally fed into my yep. nature. So I was like, hell yeah. So that was just why I was so successful, I believe, at MI Absolute, for two years. Absolutely. And then I got to meet realtors like you, yes. and I started to form relationships, and I realized how important the realtors were yes. to my business. Absolutely. And for sure, for sure. And everybody that doesn't say that, you're crazy. I right. mean, definitely having realtor relationships is definitely important in what we do. So then from there, I did that at MI, and I think I, I polished up you know, some things that I knew, and learning the realtor side, and um, cross-selling and the cross-selling help because I got to be exposed to different parts of San Antonio, right. different price points, uh, the needs for people in Converse or might be different than the people that are buying a home in Alamo Ranch, right. different school systems, oh, military. It was just a lot that I learned. Then from there, I had met throughout my process at MI, I met the fun guys. So I met Andrew Hamill. Yeah. And I met James Smothers. And yes. they're just awesome. So I think that we had always been trying for me to go to Bella Vista. Yes. But somehow it just wouldn't work out for whatever reason. So finally, like right when COVID was about to like break the piñata, the COVID piñata, I made a decision to go with Bella. And, awesome. and I went with Bella, which was another experience all in itself. But I think with that, I was able to establish camaraderie. Correct. Different. It was a different also. I learned from there too. Um, it's a little bit more competitive. Yes. Than I believe MI was. Nothing has been as competitive as LGI. That is for sure. Like, I think that that's why even today, um, they feel like I need to be like on a step, a 10 step program to like unwire <laughs> <laughs> but because I learned that it was just so embedded for a couple of years that that's just how you sell. Yes. It's like you're, you know, you're in or you're out. It's so super doggy dog. It's super doggy dog. And then I realized that that probably wasn't, I had to learn to soften that up a lot in the last couple of years because you don't have to be like that to right. be successful, even though some of us just were wired like that. So at Bella, I think it was great because the guys were very competitive and it was always a hustle. Then my first partner, 
was Mike Patino. Mike Patino. So I got to be partners with Mike, who's very competitive, yes. very good. So we were going to hate each other or love each other, but we ended up really being close and good friends, which is great. So yes. I was very blessed. So I think that he was able to offer me a very good male perspective. Correct. Like you could do this and just be soft a little bit and just, you know. And uh, so that was great because I got to learn that. I got to be exposed to more people, more realtors. Yes. I think Bella had a great product. Um, I thought the systems were great at Bella, you know, telling each other, hey, you know, there was good systems in place. Like, right, hey, I'm absolutely. going to your neighborhood. I'm showing this house. Bet. You know, I got earnest money on this house. Bet. So I think that saved a lot of people's time and, and efforts and what was being sold. And then eventually I just got silently kind of recruited to Perry. And so um, I had been told that once you're like in this price point that it's hard to go from like a lower price point to a higher price right. point that's not the same type of sell and so for me more than anything i think it was a challenge i felt that i had checked off the box i survived lgi right <laughs> i was a survivor so i made it out and i was and i did well then i survived mi right. you know and i was you know in sales if you can sell a house if you're really good at sales which right. i think i've always i've always sold something right so that's your skill set so like my son that's a runner, like his skill set is an athlete. He's, he runs, runs track, yep. you know. My son that's an artist, that is his skill set. He's good at art. So for me, my skill set is to sell. Like right. I just, I like it. I'm good at it. That's so, cool. and I, I wanted to believe in myself that I could take that with me from all these different builders and still be successful at Perry, where according to everybody, I shouldn't be. Right. So I was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to prove them they're wrong too. So I think that's what it was more than anything was a personal challenge and right. i did love the product they're beautiful homes uh, it's the like it's just not even funny yeah yes. <laughs> so i was just so impressed with their product and then you know knowing some of the people that work there i had met destiny when uh i was at mi at ladera, ladera yep. and that was supposed to be like the hardest community it's still kind of one of the hardest communities yes. to sell Ladera was just so good to me. And right. then I met Destiny. We just became great friends. That's amazing. So I was blessed that I got to be like her. And I got hired by Perry and I got to be, that was my first uh, co-worker. That's I was awesome. so blessed. So it was just exciting to go to Perry. And then it was different. Yes, very different. It is right? a different sell. Yeah. Uh, because I'd never really gone through the whole building a home process. Correct. So I learned that with <laughs> Perry is, okay, this is, <laughs> yeah. You know, people get really mad if their caulking is like not accurate yes, or not straight. <laughs> yeah, because you know? they, they pick everything they at Perry. Pick, they, yeah. Everything. Yes, I tell people from floorboards to floorboards to, to roof, to front door to back door, right? It's a complete, it could be a custom custom job and so i i um that was a learning curve too you know it's it might seem minute to you right but for a person that works really hard and invest half a million dollars to eight hundred thousand dollars in their home that is important to them correct and, and we get it right 100%. and to get it right so that has been um then once again just being back to not cross-selling initially right. and then i went through went through i survived the COVID curve too like that was challenging right. you know being i think when mike when i got to bella that's when the first lockdown happened yes and it was just mike and i at foster was it not foster at meadow uh, uh meadow park meadow park meadow right park. yeah and then i remember like people thought man that's that's hood but it was a great co a community we were always busy i mean it was just great to be there and it was uh the converse i got to learn i was always in the north side or yes. northwest side so with bella i got to do more i was at paloma with mi but it had just opened up so with bella i was able to do more on the north 
east side and right. learn more shirts, Converse, Cibolo areas, which I really hadn't mastered those parts of town yet. Right. So that was good also learning that, the different products. Um, but when I got to Perry, I get they put me back at Ladera. <laughs> so you're just you live in Ladera. I live, yeah, it's like Ladera and I are married forever. Yeah. I somehow always end up back at Ladera. So um but I love it. I don't know why. I'm really attached to that place that's, that's that not supposed area. to do well. But mm -hmm. you do good with it. I do good with it. That's it's because awesome. I believe in it. I that's what I tell people like if you manifest that and you believe it'll do well, it'll do well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um so I've got to Perry and like I said it's just been learning the learning the process of building. Um it was more paperwork. Yes. So it's just it's just that. And then, like I said, then the COVID, like, so I went through COVID again when yeah. I went to Perry. So I got hit at Bella when I first transitioned there, or like the whole city was shut down. But people still came to your model right. to look at houses. Yeah, so they, yeah they did. With full familias. Like, I'm like, people, where's your mask? Like, grandma, grandpa, la tia, everybody would show up. But then the second wave of COVID was when biz, when housing got bad. Right, housing bit. got really bad. Yeah, and then the lumber went up. So then all of a sudden, I get to Perry. I'm super excited. I do, like, three, four sales my first month. So I was like, yeah, I got this. And then, like, the next one was like, eh, you can only sell one house. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it's like you know i i didn't understand that that right. was really hard for me for other people not have been i was like a total it was a humbling experience right. it was an ego bust a little bit like i was as you know because i was like you know and i'm a money person right. so like i started tracking like how much money can i make i can make them sell one a month oh jojo this ain't good you know i started getting in my head a little bit like i was scared so then then i get there and they're gonna give me a brand new community so right. i go from ladera and three months later i gotta launch steven's ranch and i was like it. when lumbers <laughs> i was so panicked but i, I just I'm go with the flow and um and then like i said like i we went through that and if you could survive that because it was scary times for people that were new Absolutely. home sales it got a little hairy but then it got really good because right. people were just buying houses um so then now it's kind of yeah, like back at the the scary now. Absolutely. The rates. The rates where it's yes. gone. But I think a lot of the builders are offsetting that with the price decreases. So you're seeing yes, it. Yes. So it, the price decreasing yes. has helped a lot. I mean, with Perry especially, like our houses are like anywhere from like forty to $80,000 off. Um, but it's good because we're still putting people in homes, Absolutely. right? That's Help still the goal, right? Yes. Is to get into a home. Get into a home. So you got to get a new home. So we're working on that. The interest rates are a little scary, but it hasn't stopped people. Right, absolutely. So there's a general opinion out there that no one's going to buy a house. And no, people people are still buying houses. They're buying houses. homes every day. Yeah, they're buying homes every day. And it's crazy because and it's going to sound really funny, but it's not funny. It's real. A lot of people, I think, when you're 20s or 30s, you screw up a lot. Right. You fuck up your credit. Right. Just be honest. Right? People fuck up their credit. Yes. And so they finally get mature. They get out, they settle down, get a wife, get kids, and they realize, oh, shit, I got to get my, my credit. My, yeah, get it. I, right you know, to, yeah, for my future. So a lot of these people were already used to paying high interest rates because they had bad credit. Right? They were used to paying fours and fives and sixes because they had shitty credit. Right. So a lot of these people now want a home, and so the interest rate, I believe, sometimes doesn't really scare people. That makes it's, sense. It, it's something that they're kind of used to. Now, they, they can reward themselves now with a beautiful Perry home, right, because right, they qualify to buy. But the interest rate doesn't scare them completely. And I'm not saying this is for the general public, right, but you'd be surprised how many people I have honestly met. They're like, eh. Jojo, I shitty credit my twenties, thirties. I'm used to paying like I was saying, it's ain't nothing. But do I get the Perry house? You do, you know. So like That's they're amazing. like, yay, we're still we're winning. So and I'm able to offset that with twenty, thirty thousand dollars in incentives. You know, I get the wife her patio. You know, I get them whatever they need. So I think that it's just um, 
it's not good for everybody right but it could it's still an opportunity for people to get into a home so good. that's I, amazing that's the way i look at it you know Dang, um, you're crushing it they moved me to the south side so yes. i'm in vida 50 yes. and i think that i was not i wasn't scared about it i just knew that i was gonna have to kind of get it come. going yeah i gotta get it going i had to combine everything that i knew right right so i think that it's more transactional on the south side it's more about money it's more right. about my monthly payment what are you gonna do for me how quick do i get it so it's a little bit different buyer down there and so i think that i was able to kind of incorporate like what i've learned at lgi mi bella everything into making it work down there that and i sense. and i because it, it, it is it's just a different it's a different culture community um i was excited because in meeting gretchen from south star the developer and just talking to the people from texas a&m the initiative was not just to bring these expensive houses right. to the south side you know it was to break the stigma that people in the south side don't have money right can't qualify for a nice house uh the people of the south side are moving out right. of the south side to alamo ranch and stone oak that is not true uh, not at all i'm gonna tell you right now i have 10 buyers i got there in the middle of august they are qualified buyers these are people that um, wanted a nicer home. Yeah, absolutely. And they didn't want to leave their tias or their grandma, or their mom in the South Side. Yeah, so they they want to live in the area that they, they grew up in. They want to live in the area that they grew up in. And they now that I'm there, they're like, yeah, I can have a really nice house in the South Side. That's I'm going to show up all my friends from Harlandale. You know, so, <laughs> I have a nice house. so it's really kind of been the thing. Like, they want a nice home in the South Side. That's amazing. And then, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like the craziest thing. Like, I go over payments with them, and they're like, ah, we can make that work. Like, like this, five thousand dollars a month yes, like, yeah, for sure we yeah, got we'll, it we'll make it work like we'll sell more tacos i don't know but like yo, but we're gonna make it work like it's the craziest attitude like it's just like i'm gonna make it work attitude and i think that that just reflects the culture of the south side That's and so amazing. it makes it super exciting for me being a west sider south sider right and i'm a woman that's there you know um along with my counterpart that sells for highlands and like he's been great too like it's i've had he's just been so great to me Dang. so it's just been a good move and it's um so like i said we still got we got work around the rough edges but for the most part it's just been really positive that's so yeah cool. and like i'm right at the corner of 410 and zarzamora yes like, Easy. Like right outside 410. Yes. Like if you think about where all the bigger homes are at, they're outside of uh, 1604. Yes. So that would be like Perry Homes building houses at the corner of Ingram yes. and 410. Yes. Like where Ingram Mall's at, that'd be a community. So like I tell people like that, that's just amazing. Like we're right at 410 in Zarzamora, right at the campus of Texas A&M. They're going to do amazing things. The city of San Antonio is backing it up yep. to bring commerce and bring just a nicer communities to the south side and envelop like everything that's around it. So, I mean, they're going to be bringing in like in front of the campus, they're going to do like restaurants, bars, shopping, really nice uh, apartments, studios for the students to really grow the area and grow the yeah. enrollment of Texas A&M. I mean, like 95% of the students at Texas A&M are on free money. They're there on scholarship, government assistance, whatever it is. But that's the beauty of it. And then kids that are from the South Side School Districts get automatic enrollment acceptance, and yes. acceptance. As long as you maintain a grade point average, and then they'll find you the money. So I just think that's amazing. You know, the whole idea that that's how you grow these communities Correct. from bad communities or bad sides of town. You start with education, yes. you start with the infrastructure, you know, you start with hospitals, doctors, teach them about medical options. And, you know, University Health System bought 80 acres 
right there near the campus. Right. So they're going to create this whole new medical center and hospital, though, which is just eventually the school is going to have these medical programs and nursing programs that feed into that. So it's just, you know, in Spanish you would say, you know, levantando la, com la, la comunidad, like making it better, like raising yeah. it. And I you're really, raising it up. and you're raising it up. And I really feel that that's what they're doing. It's exciting. Like the buyers are so stoked. That's incredible. They're stoked. That's amazing. They want like the guys there. I can't wait to get a golf cart. Yes. They're like, they're like, I'm buy a golf cart so I can drive down university way and hit the bar, get drunk and then just come back home. And I'm like, you know what, buddy? That's great. Yeah. You, you do you. <laughs> you do that. That's yeah. That's crazy. So, you, so you've had an action pack life like, i've had an action-packed life i sure have okay I, so i gotta ask because like we just went through a fucking tale right yeah, like, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is amazing like uh -huh. so like outside of all the shit that you've done you know for just like you're mm -hmm. coming up and getting into perry like what do you like to do outside of work like what else do you do with your days do you have like a food entertainment so i'm a sports fanatic i, I love i'm a saints fan don't hate me we're doing, or I hope to do better. <laughs> I need a quarterback. Well, help me. <laughs> you can have Dak. Oh, we'll, gonna, we'll no, keep you can rest. keep him. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I'll keep Jameis. But, uh, but I love sports. Um, but being like in radio, I, I love music. Yes. I've always loved music. So like going to concerts, that's my thing. I just came back from Vegas. We got to see Aerosmith. That's amazing. Hope to go to ACL this weekend. Yes. Like, I took my son to go see Wu-Tang like two weeks ago. Like so cool. I love doing that. That's like a fun part of doing that. I like to go to sporting events, but um, being that my oldest was an athlete yep. and I got so lucky to go through that with him. He was a, and I, so much, I was a track mom. So that was like a big part of my life. Like yeah. forever is, you know, going to track meets and traveling and, you know, being that sports mom with your kid. And, you know, my son got to go from Johnson high school to run at USC. So we got to awesome. go to a division one school yes. and, you know, and I, so I got to fly around to all these track meets and I got to see him represent the US, US yeah. you know, and that was, that took a, a big chunk of my life <laughs> like for a long time. My youngest one now he's, he's, he paints, he draws. Yep. So now I'm doing that with him is finding him and, uh, which I didn't even know you get. Yeah, I can have an art manager. Art manager. To prom like an art promoter. Yeah, so I'm yeah, working on that. So it's just crazy. I think my kids have taken me into different avenues, avenues. that I I found that I really enjoy. Like that I love sense. track. I love the art world. Like going to galleries and then just seeing him prosper has been fun. Rather than that, like myself, I have like really weird. Not weird. So I love archaeology. Okay. Okay. Like it's like, like a legit, we're gonna secret, go dig up. I would yes, like it's in my. I have lots of bucket lists, but like that is like I would be happy one day retiring from this, selling my stuff here, joining some type of university and going to some archaeological dig like in somewhere and just living out in a tent and just, and just digging, digging, yeah, and finding things from the past that are just so significant to our present. Like that to me just. Pff, that things that you find can just be so impactful to history and culture and stuff and the finding of stuff. I don't know why, but since I was a little girl, like I love that. I collect rocks. I know. This is cool. Yeah, so I like to collect rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so like rocks, like archaeology. I love that type of stuff. I like. I love history. That's crazy. That's really neat. Do you, like, do you have like a rock display? Is this like a thing you have? So I did at one time, but yep. then like when you move around, yeah, of course, you know, and then you conglomerate with another person, you're yep. like, oh well, yep. I'd like a rock room. Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not gonna work out. <laughs> it's not gonna work out. So, like, so, so I have my. You're gonna. I have my favorite rocks. So I have a little collection of like. And where are rocks. they? They're at home. And you have them. I do, and then sometimes like I become a little girl and I open up my little rock collection. I'm like, this is from. <laughs> 
<laughs> Things you didn't know about JoJo. <laughs> I love rocks. But you know where they're from. But I do, absolutely. Uh, uh, exactly I've had an opportunity them. to find some of mine. There's some really cool things you can do, like in Arkansas, like different places. You can go and like dig for diamonds. You go and you pay X amount for the day. Right. They give you a section. You can go dig up and you can find all kinds of stuff. So there's just things that I like to do like that. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's kind of like my little... Um, like there's just so much that I love to do. I I, I yeah, see that the rocks is something that I'm just so attracted to, and like I like I collect antiques. Uh, okay, it's it's a, is there like good stores around San Antonio that you've gone and found? No, I've already exploited them all. So like sometimes I get lucky and I go to estate sales. Yes, because I like to collect antique barware. Barware. So okay. I love like Biard, George Biard. Yep. Like there's just certain like names of glasses that they were like these real pretty glasses from like the 20s, 40s that they're just so detailed. They were yes. gold leaf. They're just so beautiful. I just don't know why I got into that. How do you have room for all of this stuff? That you so I get rid of stuff. Yeah, that's but like say. you know when you're you're young, you yes. collect shit because you know yes. you just collect shit, yes. like shitty furniture, <laughs> shitty stuff. Then you start getting older and start making some money. Yes. Okay, okay. You start getting ready to the crappy stuff. Right. Right. Start replacing it with good stuff. So I think I've come to a point in my life that I'm just replacing shitty stuff. Got it. With the good with stuff. Good, stuff. <laughs> good for you, bro. You know, so like I feel that way and I like to collect antiques and I've bought stuff like, you know, like I've bought like really cool art pieces that are, you know, Dang. I love Salvador Dali. So like I hunt his stuff down and you'd be surprised the stuff that you find. That's I'll crazy. go out of town. Like I'll travel to from here to Dallas, I'll go and travel. Like anytime I go somewhere, I'm gonna yeah. be there for a couple of days. Like I go and I research like the best vintage shops or antique shops in that city. Like New Orleans is my favorite. Well, I'm a Saints fan, but like yes. I love digging through all the antique stores and all of the, sometimes they have like these markets where people, especially after Katrina, it was just ridiculous. You write the finds that you can have. Yeah, the finds that you can find. So the, I, that's very important to me. Like my antiques are very important that's to me. They become important to my children because I buy legit stuff. And so like now we have like this book of all the stuff that I've collected and wow. I have it all saved. It has to be insured. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. Is there like a, okay, how do I ask this question? Like, mm -hmm. is there a place in the U.S. where it's like antique heaven? Like, is there like a place where like you find the best stuff in like a location? So if you do research on it, right? So like you have to remember like when people first landed here, right? right where did they land? East Coast. Like the East Coast, yes. right? Like Boston. Boston, all these places. Right. A lot of people also came up through New Orleans, yes. right? The, you know, the more Caribbean people, which is different stuff, right? right. And then you do research on where they landed. Like, right. you know, like, for example, Castorville, Texas. Okay. So there's a, a lot of Germans ended up there because they were having issues getting land wherever they were originally at in the East Coast. So right. they were given, like, colonies. Like, here, you can have this parcel of land. Right. But you have to go in a freaking, like, wagon. <laughs> you know, imagine how many states you have. I mean, think about that. It's tough to drive from here to Boston. Imagine making your way from the East Coast all the way to Castorville, Texas. On a wagon. In a wagon, yeah. So a lot of these people, like, that was their value was right. the stuff that they brought with them from Europe. Like, you know, I mean, people, these weren't poor people. Like, no. a lot of the people that came here to the new land were people that from wealth or right. people that wanted, they saw an opportunity to be more wealthy here. Even though they had really harsh conditions, they got here. But so a lot of these places that you think about that were first settled, and right. that's what I've done research on. Where did they go, and where did, where was their points? Where did they go? You'll find like really unique things. antiques yeah. and things from these little colonies or these little cities 
that people migrated to 200 wow. years ago. They brought that stuff with them. And so um, so I, I've done all that stuff. I think it's cool to that do things like so that. That is so So cool. you have to research it backwards, right? And figure out where they started. And figure out where they started with the cool things. So like, especially if somebody likes German stuff, yes. right? There's a, there's a lot of German, not so on, on color things you yes. can find in Castroville, Texas. But think about who was there and right. who brought the stuff over. And um, there was a lot of stuff like in New Orleans, a lot of people that were French, right, came over to New Orleans. So a lot of people escaped, right, persecution, right, when yes. the people were going after aristocrats and cutting their heads off. So a lot of these people traveled and they brought, like, all their goods, like, <laughs> with them. And now you can find a lot of those genuine, like, King Louis the Thirteenth type of goods, like, down on Toulouse, you know? This is crazy. In Chartres. Yeah, like, it's just crazy when you think about it that way. And I right. think that I've learned to think about antiques that way. Like, it's not just that it's a piece of history. Like, how did it get here? Right. You know? That's Who so cool. Who brought it? And I feel like that's just why you have, like, I have a, I don't know why. I just love stuff like that. This is Maybe I'm an old soul like that. Apparently. Yeah, this I is, think this so. This is crazy. I would have never guessed that. That those are, like, my little quirks. No, yeah. I would have never guessed that. What about for food? Like, is there, like, a, a spot in San Antonio growing up here that you're just like you have a bad day and you're like oh i gotta go to such and such henry's puffy tacos henry's the one right there on yes. like 410 and but the original one was by saint mary's okay. was off a of woodlawn and it was Got like it. a little house and the funny thing is imelda shout out to imelda imelda is my sorority sister okay so like if you were a, a tri sigma yes you did a stint as a waitress at henry's puffy tacos <laughs> i think we all worked there but growing up before that mr lopez and my dad went to school at edgewood high school okay and so my dad would just always supported his friends that did well or opened a business so like my father was a painter so that's where we get it from right so my dad was an artist and uh but my dad did my dad just did a lot of stuff so he always supported his friends right and so we'd always go to henry's puffy tacos so i think it's like a staple for me being a young person that my dad got his paycheck and go to henry's on friday you know so i just has like it's just nostalgic to me but the food is just so good that's there's crazy. nothing like a chicken fajita i've never i've puffy been driven by it a million times i've never with stopped the borracho beans there's it's just i mean people might think it's not good food but for me i just think it's excellent so henry's to me has always been comfort food henry's. yeah and even when my dad was passing like imelda from Henry's brought over food so oh we could have right there because that was like my dad's favorite. So that's, you know what I'm saying? So yes. like, I think that's why it's so, so special to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for, for me it's crazy. that. And then for Chinese food, I love Ding Hao. Also off of 410. <laughs> and my favorite bars around the corner. I don't know. 410 has something with me. I was going to say, <laughs> you, you work by 410. I did. You, I did, which is funny because CW, yeah, uh, Fox and WB were right, right there. Right there, right by Starlight. Henry's, or but the original Henry's is by St. Mary's. It's off of Woodlawn. Yes. Yeah, uh, Woodlawn and Bandera Road. So yep. that's the original. And then Ding Hao. Ding Hao. I right just there love as well. Ding Hao. And then in its. Uh, then have you heard of bar named Whiskies? No, I've not heard of oh, Whiskies. Man, people don't make fun of me. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a yeah. In the hood, you call it Whiskless. <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you. Gotta you gotta take me, dude. The, you know, like the little water jugs that you find like at Luby's. Yes. Put the water. Yes. Well, at Whiskies, they sell you a Long Island in that, and it's Stop. famous for their Long Islands. Oh, oh, you yeah. got to take me for sure. And it's like so <laughs> hole in the wall. And it's cool because the bar is sunken in and you, you sit in a chair like this up against the bar all the way around. <laughs> it's like the best. I have to go. Yeah, I, I'm going to take you, you next time. I'm going to take you to Whiskey's. Uh, whiskey. We'll have the best. They get free popcorn. <laughs>
<laughs> what is this place? They serve popcorn? Free popcorn. Even during COVID, you got free <laughs> I want to go there really badly. It's the best. It's right. At, it's close to a line mortgage. It I is. swear. It's like you would, you could take the exit. And it's, and and you're it's there. right there. That's it's crazy. Callahan and 410. Oh yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go. Sure. Next time you go to a line, you let me know. I'm we're like, take it we live on the north side. We're like Hills and Dales. You know, we're like little Woodrows. You know, we're like on the <laughs> door, the door side. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, let's go to Whiskless. <laughs> That's so. We'll have the best time. I promise you. We have to go. Okay, yeah, what about a, what about a spot? Like, is there? Okay, so we got food. We got like uh, entertainment. Is there like a like just like a local spot that you're like, okay, this is like my jam in San Antonio? Like, is like, did you go to like a mall, like Wonderland of the Americas? Like, where did you like hang out? Man, so growing up, like, yep. how old are you? Well, you're, you're 31. 31. You're way yep. younger. So, like, growing up in the 90s, yes. in the 80s, I just feel it was, like, the best time. So right. sorry. You know, so, I like, we were, you're a little late to the fun. So, like, growing up, like, and people are my age. I'm 48, right? I was yep. born in 74. If you remember this, like, in high school, once again, no social media. Yeah. Your direct contact was a phone call. So, like, you you stayed at your phone. The guy said you're going to call at 7. You're like, Mom. His boys call me at seven, get off the phone. Yes. So you were hoping that he'd call you at seven, right? Wah, wah, wah. Super disappointment if he never called. Because that's all you had to look yes, forward to literally. that evening. But, like, so we would communicate. And I remember back in the day on, like, Sunday Fun Day. Yes. Existed in San Antonio way back in the 90s. So you would, um, I would tell my mom and dad, go to church and be like, what are you going to do? And then I would go and hang out with my friends. We'd go to Brackenridge Park Bracken. and cruise the park. Yep. And everybody did. This uh, wasn't a West Side South. Uh, everybody did this. You'd go there, and then you'd catch a break, or you'd go. I mean, we were teenagers. Right. And we would go into La Fiesta grocery store and, like, buy Bartle and Jane wine coolers. Mad <laughs> <laughs> dog. 2020. And then we would cruise military drive. That's what that you did. That was the thing. It was the biggest thing. You went from Brackenridge to pick up drinks, your friends, and you'd go to military and you'd hang out your little spot and you would just cruise up and down. What? And so, the yeah. Heck? So that was just so, I remember that being like such a big deal. Like That's growing crazy. up. Yeah, it was like so much fun. High school parties, you had the parties, right? Which opened up why I started throwing parties at my house, you know? Right, so I did that, that, learned how to make money off that real quick. That's crazy. And then, but that was fun back in the day growing up. And then college, you're just hanging out with your sorority sisters, but, now as an adult, like, or where I hung out at, I just think that, it, while I was in radio for so long, right. I always had events, so right. I always had a remote. So I hung out at the places of business that I did business with. That makes sense. And I grew, I lived through that period when it was like the big clubs in San Antonio. Right. Like Park Place, yes. Grand Central Station, yes. the Atrium. These were mega clubs, right? Now everything's bars. Right, now everything's so, bars. Why do, why do you think nightlife went away here? Like, I mean, it, it didn't go away, but it, it transitioned. Like, it w went from big clubs to bars, for sure. Yeah, which I is mean, weird. I, yeah, because, I mean, back in the day, that was the thing to do. You went to these big clubs. The one right. that's still alive today is the Bonham downtown. Yes, like, the Bonham Exchange. Yeah, the Bonham stage. The, the Bonham is nostalgic to San Antonio and Texas, like the way Webster's Hall is, like in New York. Yeah. Like, it's like, uh, or Whiskey A Go-Go in L.A. Like, it's going to be, like, that club for San Antonio because it's just been around through decades, you know? Right. Um, but I think that when those big clubs went away and then the bars started becoming popular, that's what opened up, you know, the opportunity for, like, craft bars, like right, George's exactly. Keep and yeah, it's all the Bar 1919, things like that. People go see. So um, hanging out with my friends is always still fun. That makes sense. You I'm a, I'm a hang out with her girl, 
they, with girls good, type good of for friend. You. Yeah, I do. I love that. Uh, so I, I moved here. I haven't been here t- anywhere near as long as you. I moved here in 2006, seven. I didn't know that. Yeah. Where are you from? Uh, Las Vegas. Really? Yeah, I grew up in, in the so desert. Yes, that. I grew up in the desert. So I've only been here since uh, 2006. So, um, like, I'm trying to think the stuff that people well, go to or went to, like, was Cowboys open, like, when you were in high school? Call- yes. Cowboys was there. Cowboys, There yes. was no 1604, though, right? 1604 in high school was just starting. That was far. Like, I remember one of the most successful parties I threw was off of Redland Road. Okay. I don't even know why I asked permission. It was on somebody's farmland. Redland and, Road was a farm. I was far. So I remember all these back in the day, you had the old Broncos. You yes. Know? And we used to go out there. And I remember we took over somebody's land and we had keggers. I don't even know. Swear to God, somebody, I was on somebody's property. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. So but Redland we, Road, was the, there's nothing out there. There was nothing. That was far. Like I remember in college, I was like a freshman, sophomore, and I dated a basketball player from UTSA. Yes. My dad was so scared for me to drive. From St. Mary's, yes. which is, you know, Kool-Aid, yes. 36th Street, all the way where UTSA is. There was nothing. There was, like, a gas station, I think, and maybe Tahoe Cabana at one point. Then you exited University, like UTSA Boulevard, took a left. There was nothing, guys. It was scary. So I remember my dad was like, you're not driving that far. He can come get you. And the guy was like, I don't have a car. So I was like, uh. <laughs> so it was like the craziest thing. Like, that was, there was nothing. Zero. That's crazy. It's just crazy how much growth is in San Antonio. And like, now look at what they're doing with with I-10 and 64 and all that, where they're adding in all the lanes and the just, up and down. That's like for me being 2022, and we're building new homes at the corner of Zara Samora <laughs> and 410. Like, it just baffles me. Yeah. And not only just new homes, like high-end Like high-end homes. homes. Yeah, like that just freaks me out. Because that's, that's only where we're at at the south side, where you know how it is yes. now. Like, we're almost at... Canyon Lake. Yes. On, on the 281. North side. But that's, we're that's at Bernie on 10. But that's the thing. Is if, you, if you take 410 South, like you hit 1604 and, and like you said, South, and there's nothing there. There isn't. It's just that's amazing. There's right. just so much opportunity. It's tempted to grow like, in the inner I mean, city. If people aren't buying property right now for the future, even commercial property, like it's just ridiculous. Just go buy anything. Just go buy a piece of land. Yeah. And hold out it. There and just hold it. Yeah. Because it's just going to just, it's just crazy. Like I take the drive to Zarzamora and I drive all the way down. I was like, I'm going to hit 1604. I had never done it. I'm born and raised here, and I have never done Zarzamora all the way, all the way to freaking 1604. Well, you know Toyota's there yes, on the left. on the plant. But it was funny because then people from San Antonio will understand this. As a child or as a teen, and it's Halloween, Yes. Um, there's a thing called the Chinese graveyard, yes. which is right there. I did that as when I was younger, but it still looks the same. <laughs> like, there's nothing around it. And this was like 20-some years ago, 30 years ago. Then, like, you go down there and you go to Apple White, and, like, the Apple White area now has walking trails and stuff. It's beautiful. All Back right. in the day, that's the Donkey Lady Bridge. <laughs> like, you... <laughs> It was a lady that was half woman, half donkey, and you'd drive out there, and you'd park your car, and I forgot what you're supposed to say. You used to go out there to the bridge, and it is actually still scary. Like, even though it's a walking trail now, they still have, like, the walkway and the bridge, and it gets all misty at night. But those were, like, landmarks as a child. Yeah. Then the railroad tracks. Yes. Like, the the park thing. With the, the the buster, it's like a yes, school bus, like, right? It's so crazy. They get stuck on the yes. Yeah, supposedly the children passed away. They got hit by a train. They got stuck there. So if you park your car there, the, you know these little hands push you over. But it's just so funny how there's so much of that on the south side, and like uh, kind of still looks the same. Like yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. So it was just crazy that you know now it's it's weird because like almost sad. Like that's gonna be engulfed. 
That's so. <laughs> you can now j- walk to the Donkey Lady Bridge. The Donkey know? Lady Bridge yeah. from from Vita on, <laughs> from the, Vita south on side. the south side. That's crazy. Yeah, well, dude, we have covered a ton. So tell me before we get before we wrap because yes. this is run. You had something for me. What I did. So my challenge to you, Mr. Marty, yes. is that way you can come and visit Vida. Okay. And I want you to get to know my community. Okay. And we're going to drive around the south side. But because it is Halloween. Oh, gosh. Lauren and I are going to put it together. We are going to have a spooky night with some local ghost hunters. Stop. And we're going to go to the railroad No, track. we're not. Yes, we are. We're going to do the Donkey Lady Bridge. Yo. And we're going to do the Chinese Graveyard. I'm super down. And this we're is a good gonna idea. do this full blown ghost hunter we're style. We're gonna do it in October. <laughs> we're gonna do it in October with night vision goggles, with ESP, all, the whole gamut. We have to go. It's gonna be our little haunted South Side. <laughs> we have to go. I want to do Halloween this. tour with Chris Martin. I'm and so down. Yeah, oh so my gosh. We're gonna, I'm gonna put it together. I'm gonna give you the deets, and yes. then we're gonna make it happen. This is incredible. Okay. We're gonna videotape it. I'm down. You All got right. you got me. So, you have any closing thoughts for us today? No, I just uh, closing thoughts. I think. Uh, for all the realtors, like with Perry yes. Homes, we've got $5,000, $10,000 bonuses happening right now. Yes. We have discounted inventory everywhere. I'm JoJo. I can cross-sell. Yes. Give me an opportunity. Um, I think for buyers that are out there, I just think it's still good to- it's absolutely still good. Still give it a shot. Still do an application. Absolutely. If you don't want to do an application with a builder, because guys, I get it. You know, digging into your past and looking at your credit score, it's scary for everybody. Absolutely. But it's like a Band-Aid. It's going to hurt like- Freaking hell, like the, when you rip it off. But but you can start healing. You can yeah. start healing, right? I think that's the way you should look at it. And even if you don't do it with Perry Homes or with a builder, go through your bank and just get a free evaluation on how to buy a home. Absolutely. And, and learn that. What do you got to do? What do you got to pay off? What do you have to save? You know, is it can you buy a house today or do you have to wait six months? You know, 12 months. Like with Vida, it's, we're a 10-month to 12-month build time. Right. The rates are going to drop next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can still build a home with us, qualify, and you're going to be able to get a better rate next year right. and treat yourself to a beautiful Perry home. Yes, but be locked in at the price and today. be locked in at the price today, especially with Vida, guys. I'm at uh, starting the 400. That's a, for, for a Perry, 50 product yes, with Perry, Perry homes. in that's the amazing. Vida. Southsiders are going to live it up with live, these Perry homes. <laughs> live it yes, up. Yes, so you need amazing. to be one too. But I think it's a good investment property. If it's a realtor, somebody yes. looking to invest, um, that whole area is going to boom. So that's I hope amazing. to see a lot of people at Vida. Yes, we will drop JoJo's info, guys. So... This has been awesome. Thank I you so much for coming in. Me. Absolutely. We will drop all her info. You can find her uh, as your, all your pair needs in any community. So we'll definitely make sure that yep. people reach out to you. Um, but yes, this has been an amazing episode of the Marty Party, guys. So please like us on YouTube, Spotify, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you all next time. Bet. That was good. Happy we- Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>